With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, lads, it's been an interesting couple of days. This is not a real Lakeside Drive podcast. That's right, listener. This is only a mere figment of your imagination. But uh, Campy, previously, like the podcast that you didn't realize was being recorded until halfway through my phone call with you, <laughs> Jack. Yeah, I was having a shit on a tradesman's built site, little portable toilet when you rang too. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was the bonus content for anyone listening uh, the whole way through. But this is a no frills music, no only straight opinion because we need to have a bit of a chat about exactly what's going on. I am joined, as you've heard, by Campy and, of course, my friend and yours, Dave Munnis. Hello, Munnis. It's been a while. Been a while. Good to see you, boys. It's nice to see you, mate. Uh, look, great person to have to talk a little bit about uh, outside of what is going to become our regular programming uh, about what's going on. So I just want to take it back timeline-wise, lads, uh, right back to the very beginning, around the 28th of July when Seb Vettel decided to announce his retirement from the sport. That set off a, uh, a couple of different things that has now led us to the announcement, of course, yesterday of Daniel Ricciardo McLaren splitting ways. So Seb leaves uh, Fernando Alonso, by all accounts, closed a very, very quick deal with Aston Martin um, after the Hungarian Grand Prix. Um, securing what evidently is a multi-year deal. Uh, Fernando has said since that Alpine, all they wanted to do was talk about their age, so it was only doing year-on-year contracts, weren't going to commit to anything longer than that. Of course, uh, Oscar is then announced by Alpine to join Espen Ocon. Two hours later, uh, sorry, (laughs) uh, Oscar, (laughs) too many names, says, no, I'm not. Uh, and then everyone starts speculating about Daniel. Uh, we didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks there, but yesterday, lads, this split has now happened, McLaren, and they are going different ways. Campy, let's start with you here. We'll sort of pick up where we left off um, as you mm. left the Portaloo on the tradesman's building site <laughs> <laughs> uh, to talk about things. But where do you see this at the moment? Yeah, look, I've, I've literally, since that conversation, I... Have made it. I've made a conscious effort to not read anything and not get into the conversations and the five-hour-long text messages you can have on uh, Discord because nothing had been announced until literally last night, I believe, two nights ago. So, um, how do I feel? Alonso going to Aston? Ah, uh, interesting move for me. If it is a multi-year, well, good on him. I mean, he wants to stay around the sport and he's got a career of bad choices behind him when he moves teams. So um, I may have something to do with the uh, the Mercedes engine. I think that's probably what he's got his eye on, but who cares? Anyway, uh, what was your question, mate? Sorry, it's been a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky this isn't a real podcast as Jesus. previously discussed. Well, I suppose yeah. my question, my question, Campy, is all of that leads to a point, which was the video yeah. announcement yesterday of Daniel Ricciardo. So, w- what I want to yeah. get really is just your your emotion, I guess, your reaction to watching that video. Um, I'm sort of I'm, I'm in two minds. As an organisation, I can see 
why McLaren probably made the decision they're making. Um, because Danny Rick struggled and he hasn't got the results. Although he's got them a win, so that's better than what Lando's delivered them. So, yeah, a few championship points, but you know, I, I get, I can kind of understand it. Uh, I think Danny Rick's handled himself very, very professionally. I think his little message he did last night was uh, was uh, was very good, and you could see that he was frustrated too because he was, you know, I, I, I think, I think, I think the blame for the lack of performance can be can lay maybe evenly on or not so much evenly solely on McLaren because they didn't give him the car that he wanted and he hadn't performed. So, you know, pretty even there. Um, in saying that, put my campy hat back on, fan of DR and fan of the sport, <laughs> McLaren. Look, <laughs> the way they like shafted Danny Rick behind closed doors and the bullshit we put up with for the last three months about his speculation and Zach doing an interview with Jessica Yates and coming out saying, yes, we love this. We love Danny Rick. He's going to win us more races in the future. He'll be here next year, blah, blah, blah. What has changed since then? Um, and for me, it's like exactly what I said. I could not care less about McLaren. I hope wherever Daniel goes next year, his sole purpose and his sole thing will be to win that world championship that he so craves, but destroy McLaren at every chance he gets. And I hope he waves at Lando every time he passes him. I can imagine next, think about it next year, we're going into, I don't know, let's go turn three into Melbourne, back straight, off the start. Danny passes him. He's on the inside going into that right-hander and gives Lando the finger as he's passing <laughs> him on that straight. How good is that going to be? Uh, that's sort of – that's how I feel about it. But, um, yeah, look, it is F1 and it is a political show and eventually we get dragged into these conversations that we have to have as fans about the politics of F1 and the business side of the sport. As a as a pure guy, I like the combative challenge, I like the designing, I like the cars on track and all that. But, you know, it's a part of our sport, which I can't stand, but we get dragged into it eventually at some stage. Yeah, you are a pure guy. I've always said that about you. Manus, uh, thank, when thank it comes... You, <laughs> you're welcome. When it comes to all of this, we... Haven't heard your opinion yet. It's very uh, we we all know. Everyone listening to this podcast knows that I am a DR defender. Will be till the uh, until I die. Yeah. It just happens that totally. this is the this is the driver that I followed before I started doing this professionally. So I can't help myself. When it comes to what's happening with Oscar, when it came to that whole situation, now what's happened with with the McLaren split? Of course, we don't know yet where Daniel's going. If he is indeed going anywhere, Oscar's announcement hasn't been made yet but it obviously is likely for him to be going to McLaren but from your point of view someone who hasn't been on the podcast for a little bit I'm very very keen to know your thoughts yeah well look I'm firstly I'm glad come he came to his senses there um because I was getting a bit worried he was becoming a bit level-headed um (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking Jesus Christ where's this came from um look as I said to you yesterday, James on Twitter, I actually think this is a good move for both parties. Uh, just in life, some relationships and partnerships just don't work, and that's just how it is. And as Campy said, surprisingly, fault on both sides. Um, the car never suited him. It looks like the car was never tailored to suit him at any time. Yeah. Uh, DR himself just because of life, found himself with significant headwinds. Like he had COVID during preseason testing. That was less than ideal for him. 
Uh, and I don't want to make excuses for him, but it just, there's a lot of things along the way out of his control that didn't go for him there. Um, yeah. And yeah. to argue the other side of it, though, perhaps he lacks a bit of flexibility. Um, and the other thing I will say is, yes, McLaren hasn't built him a car to win a championship, but nor has any other team in the grid. I mean, Red mm, Bull's only yeah. car that has built a, a, a car worthy of winning the championship. And they've only built one of them, not even two, because I don't think Perez's car is as good as Max's. So you can have those sorts of arguments all day, but at the end of the day, DR's walking away here. He's got 35 million reasons to be happy. Um, yeah. Do you know? And he's got options. He's got Alpine. He's got Williams. He's got Haas. Reportedly, he's got Indy. And there's a chance he might step away and take a Mercedes seat in, is it 2024 when Hamilton's meant to leave? So he's got a shed load of options. Um, and the other side of the coin is Oscar Piastri is going to be driving next season. And that's positive. I spent my lockdown yeah, watching this kid McLaren. in F3, F2. He needs a seat. Um, yeah. I get what you're saying about McLaren. McLaren have handled this really badly. Uh, I'm a McLaren fan and I'm disappointed in how they've handled it. Zach Brown's came in for a lot of crap and probably rightly so, but the um, the Aussie media seems to be forgetting that Mark Webber's had a role in this as well. And he's pretty much complicit and, you know, shaft and DR too. What's what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, there is some connection there. With Andre Seidel was the team manager at the Porsche uh, World Drive. Uh, what do you call Weck? it? What's that? WE's WEP. Uh, WEP. When Mark, WEP, when Mark was there. So there is a connection. Mm. Um, yeah, so look. Mark's been put in the media as the guy who's probably forced himself into that situation. But emotions out of it. It's yeah. business. Suck it up. Yeah. Like, Even DR said I that. Mean, these guys... These guys don't like. We're talking about massive man. This is big boys, like big boys club, and spending money on their toy money, basically on, on going racing and racing cars. So from a business back aspect, I can understand why Weber got the deal for Piastri. Yeah, when he did, because that's his job and that's what he's supposed to do. But let let's not play into that. Mark Weber is still a superstar and he's still a good guy. <laughs> like, let's not let's not play that. We're not playing that game. But yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah, who cares? Look, just Mc- DR's McLaren. acknowledged that himself and said, "Look, it's fine. Mark's got a job to do, and that's that's just business. Yeah. That's the sport we live in. I mean, these are all big boys getting paid big bucks. They get paid shitloads of money to drive around the world, drive fast cars. Yeah, on their days off, they lie on a yacht with you know a supermodel. I mean, you know, I'm not going to feel sorry for any of them. Let's be honest. Here's here's the big question: Why is McLaren? for Oscar Piastri a better option than Alpine? Because to me, McLaren haven't shown the fact that they're going to be consistently a championship contender, uh, consistently on a top step or anywhere near a podium for this year. Alpine, we've said it time and time again, the reason why we think, at least the previous episode that we we put out, the DR going back to Alpine is a good thing because it's a works team and works teams mean more opportunities to get closer towards the front with investment and everything else. Mm. Why is, and we know that McLaren is not an easy car to drive. Landon Norris has said that. He's still getting some points, sure. Carlos Sainz has said that. Uh, and Daniel clearly shown that. So why on earth would you go to a team and a car that is seemingly unable to perform itself to be a world 
Constructors Championship contending car from a team that, you know, look, I don't buy into the Alpine paid for him to go the whole way through the junior series thing. They may have paid for a little bit, but not for all of it. That's not how it works. And Mm. I just don't think that's a fair statement for, I might be disappointed, fair enough, because, you know, I think Alpine completely mishandled that whole situation as well. But why Oscar go to McLaren? I just, personally, I don't see that as a good thing, especially with how this is all washed out. Uh, there is no excitement for me for Oscar to come into this sport, which I think is disappointing, not because I blame him or Mark for the departure of Daniel, not at all, even though it is Aussie on Aussie with another Aussie crime. It is just, I don't know, it's ridiculous to me that that seems to be the best option instead of the Alpine where he could have gone in, would have been no drama, he could have proved himself because the flip side to this is if Oscar comes in and completely bombs, that's him done. Mm. And he's likely to bomb in a car that's maybe not as quick as it should be. The Alpine under Esteban Ocon, who is not a TRA driver, is performing pretty well. Daniel Ricciardo, TRA driver, McLaren not performing well. Do you know what I'm saying? I just don't think it's necessarily the best call because if it does work, great. But if it doesn't, and the chances are it's less likely to, stock's down for Oscar Piastri to to use a box and neutrals term. But um, anyway, look, that's all to talk about. What I want to talk about just very quickly before we wrap this very short one up is where we think Daniel is going to go for next year. Manas, let's start with you. There's a couple of options on the table, as you mentioned, Haas, Williams, Alpine, uh, sabbatical as well. Um, do you think one is more likely than the other? And in terms of what kind of time frame do you think we might know? I think the Alpine one is... It's the best fit, probably. I don't think he wants to go to Williams or Haas, and I think with some of his comments yesterday, he sort of ruled them out as an option. Um, the Indy link, I only really have because he, he lives in America, he loves America, um, and it would be good to see him there, actually, because he might be the, may well be at the front of the grid and in good machinery, but I, I still think he's got a point to prove in F1, and I think it'll be with Alpine, to be perfectly honest. Um, and yeah, just on your last point about Oscar making the decision between Alpine and McLaren, uh, yeah, Alpine all day, every day. Mm. It may well just have been a timing thing in terms of when he signed a contract and potentially he signed a contract with McLaren before anyone knew Alonso was leaving. It's the only logical explanation. Mm. Look, McLaren got form. They promised Danny Rick the world and delivered absolute dog shit for two years. So <laughs> they're probably... They've probably offered Oscar the world and said it's his for yours for the taking. But realistically, McLaren aren't going to win a world championship in the next three. In this in this series of motors anyway, you know, this new regulation yeah. that we're coming into this year. Yep. Um, what about you, Campy? So, what, do you, what do you think for DR? Where does he go? Mm. Uh, we had a conversation about this on the phone the other day, Jim. And we did. We'll, we'll let you get to your point. I think I think I don't think I don't think a year off is an option. Not at this age in his sport, this and in, in his sport, particularly the last year year he's had. Um I just I don't think he can leave and come back. It, I mean, great if he can get back, but I just think it's detrimental to your career leaving the sport. So yeah, Alpine's the most attractive at the moment. Um remember too that he's he's gonna be getting paid by McLaren next year, wherever he goes. So Danny Rick will be getting his 21 million British pound or whatever it is. Uh, and if Alpine 
or a Red Bull, maybe. They're looking at Danny Rick and they go, we can get this guy cheap next year. Let's give him a one-year deal. He's worth a one-year deal. And if we don't have to pay him a million bucks, he's still going to get the other 20 from McLaren. Or pay him five, vice versa. He'll get 15, uh, 16 from, from McLaren next year. So Danny Rick financially has got he's – got, he's still got some power and control in what happens moving forward next year. And I would I, I would dare say that's going to be detrimental to McLaren as well. We know they refinance their operation to get a massive cash injection of about $100 million bucks to uh, to be able to afford someone like DR and pay him out. And that hasn't worked out. So they may come under some financial uh, financial hardship in the coming years and particularly where the global economy is at. Hey, it could hurt a team like McLaren and, you know, well, they made dumb decisions and didn't didn't do what they said they were going to do on paper. So for me, they're, they're almost in the bin. Zach Brown's definitely in the bin. But as a whole organisation, they're almost there. That's how shitty I am about it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, look, Alpine's the most attractive offer. Mm. So, uh, but, yeah, go on, go on. But we were having a conversation. You think you could go to Red Bull now? If I'm Red Bull, I'm, you know, I'm looking at Perez. He's not the second driver they want, mm-hmm. and it's about the fourth or fifth second driver that they wanted for Max. Danny Rick is the only driver that's ever competed so closely with uh, Max Verstappen and beat him for two and a half years out of the three years they were there too on points on track. So. Red Bull could look at this and go, geez, that million dollars we could pay Danny Rick for a year and it's either a bad call and we've got to sort ourselves out for 2024 possibly. But they could go, we could bring our driver back. He's excellent for marketing. His branding in the States is probably bigger than anything else from a monetary perspective. They might be sitting there going, geez, that's a, that's a good-looking thing. That's good for Danny too because he gets in a race winning and a championship winning car. Mm. And... You, for those naysayers that think Max will go on and dominate him, who cares? The ten, the seven or eight races where Max doesn't win, Danny Rick will win those races because that's the kind of driver he is regardless. So if he goes there next year, I mean, that's another seven wins automatically for me and whatever else he can do head-to-head against Max. So it's going to be uh, – it, it could be an interesting how this plays out. I don't think Red Bull shaft Perez, though. That's the only thing. Well, let, here's my that conversation. Here's my t- well, that was my tin foil beanie conversation with you a couple of days ago. But here's yeah. how it plays out in my mind logically. Um, push Checo back to AlphaTauri. There's an open seat next to Pierre Gasly for next year. It's still a Red Bull drive. The contract is a Red Bull contract, so they wouldn't have to pay any options on that. And they would also solve the problem on who they get to drive that AlphaTauri alongside Gasly. So check that box. Bring Daniel back, as you say. Costs it what a million? Nothing. Doesn't matter. Bring him in for free. The fact is. There's then more money in the cost cap for Red Bull to spend on developing a car for 2024 and five. In the cost cap, though. Mm. Yes, I know, but I'm saying, but in terms of like money saving, the money is saved yep. in that. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yes, absolutely. He can drive alongside Max. Is he going to be beaten by Max? Yes, that is a foregone conclusion. Now that Max in that car is just absolutely dominant. Now. Does he regret leaving Red Bull or Renault? Probably. Well, definitely, I would imagine for both of those sentences. But I think that if you're Helmut Marco and uh, Christian Horner, that you would be seriously looking at the situation and comparing Daniel and comparing Checo. Now, whether they're happy or not with Checo, who knows? I mean, they signed a new contract with him before his race win in Monaco. But as you said, 
I mean, he's driving a championship-winning car, right? That that car is incredibly quick. Uh, it's not as fast as the yeah. Ferrari, but because Red Bull isn't Ferrari, that's why they're winning. That's that's just the simple fact. So, for <laughs> yeah. for me, it makes sense True. that they would at least be having a conversation. And to bring it into a football analysis point, well, Ronaldo went back to Manchester United, didn't he, Manus? And who is the management company of Daniel Ricciardo? Well, it's the same mob. Same mob. So. Just just throwing it out there into the belief structure. One thing I will finish off with is um, very interestingly, and thanks to Hillary for this uh, sending me this way because I don't really listen to any other Formula One podcasts, um, but uh, on BBC's uh, Check and Flag podcast, very interestingly, Jenny Gao said that, uh, and I've got to pick her up on this, that Daniel Ricciardo is toxic. Toxic, yes, what? is the word that she used. In a uh, in a team, uh, well, she's so, doing companies, Ben. Well, it's just uh, I don't think that's really helpful to to anything. Um, I don't what really understand the, the point at all. That? But uh, well, talking about relationship with Lando Norris, I mean, as David Coulthard will say, oh, day in nice. and day out, you're not mates with your teammate. The teammate is your direct competitor. Why would you be friends with them? Um, and as what we know of the attitude of Lando Norris, it's uh, very interesting. Anyway, I wanted to flag that with with you because. I just think converse, like this is to me that is way too British media bias. The, the reason this content we create this content to exist is to to combat that. But I got to call it out, Jenny. It's uh, it's such a ridiculous comment. It has absolutely nothing Follow. to do with his pace <laughs> or anything else. But saying Daniel Ricciardo is toxic seems ridiculous to me. Uh, and I would like on. some context as to your thought process around that. Anyway, gents, it's going to be an interesting couple of days. Hang on, we got a couple got a couple go things on. to talk about before we go. We have new regs for twenty twenty six, which means Porsche has been confirmed in the last twenty four hours. And can I just oh yeah, we'll talk about it on Monday, but that's gonna be an exciting conversation. We've got spa Ooh. this weekend, it's gonna be excellent. And I've just got a funny okay. one just to end it. Who tells hot who Fernando and Alonso about three hours ago came out in an interview and said he told everybody at Renault except Otmar <laughs> that he was leaving to go to Aston Martin. <laughs> why does why does no one tell Otmar anything when anything happens oh. in the sport? If we go back to that Aston, you know, bloody hell. So I did say a good meme. It was zero calls from Aston Martin, <laughs> zero calls from uh, from Fernando Alonso, but seven missed calls from. Um, from Mark Webber. So there you go. He's 007 this week. <laughs> Love it. Well, that is all to come. Gents, thank you so much for being here and having a very quick chat about what's going on. Thank you too, listener, for dealing with my very much recovering voice. Uh, but you can join us next Tuesday morning for the release of the first of our new bits of content That's right, it will be a Belgian Grand Prix review episode, Tommy T, myself and Campy. If you want to watch the recording of that, you can. 3 p.m. Australian Eastern Time is uh, going to be the live stream to our YouTube channel of us recording that. You'll get to see us in our new studio setup with our new producer, Ezekiel Fenn, and uh, he is an absolute star as well. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel for that. And uh, we can't wait for the Belgian Grand Prix this weekend, of course, to review it next week. You'll hear Freya's F1 Friday next Friday and Campy's quality review of the Dutch Grand Prix the weekend after. See you then. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.